Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. I'm going to talk about faith. And what is music if it isn't faith? Think about it for a minute. A song has a purpose, generally to do something with us emotionally and intellectually. So it was designed with a purpose. Whoever, I think Ricky Byers, yes, wrote that song. So, so Ricky had an idea in her own mind of how she wanted to, uh, to create a feeling, to create a, a tone and, and a way of living in the world. She had faith that through composing this, it would do that. But then think beyond that, what this group of four had to do to bring that to life. They all had to have faith in one another, right? They had to have faith that the music made sense. I'm sure a a musician has often been given like a a set of uh, music sheets and like, what the heck, (laughs) right? So, So the musicians had to have faith in the beginning that this was even something that they would want to do. They all had to have faith in each other. That's one of the things we love about vocal harmonies and things like that. It's the faith that the other performers are going to do their part of it. And what majesty when it comes together. And yet all of those elements completely depending upon something other than just yourself. The only time music works with just yourself is probably singing in the shower, right? (laughs) And although I don't do badly in the shower, believe me, you wouldn't come on Sunday to hear it. And so today is talking about faith. And it's interesting, we're using this book, How to Use the Science of Mind, this month. And he actually, Ernest Holmes, the author, actually says there's a law of faith. We've been talking about spiritual principles and laws this month. And he claims, and and I think we'll examine it a little bit, I think you might agree, that there is a thing called a law of faith. And I will paraphrase how it works here. The law of faith is the ease in which you can use spiritual law. It's proportional to your belief in them. So our ability to easily use these principles we talk about is dependent on our ability to really believe in them, to believe that it's going to work. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, Larry. I thought you said at the beginning of the month that spiritual laws always work and they always work well for everyone. And I would say, no, I didn't say they'd always work well for everyone. (laughs) They always work, but if we don't have organized thoughts, if our thoughts and feelings and emotions are not in organization, even as a song has a lot of organization around it, even as we have to have faith that all of the the pieces that go into an ensemble of singing or music or whatever, we have to have faith in one another. So in order for something to not just sound tuneless to us, likewise, When we're using spiritual principles, whether it's the law of attraction that my friend uh, Reverend Barber talked about last week, the week before that I talked a little bit about the law of vibration, for us to effectively use them, 
We have to have faith in our intentions. We have to have faith that it works and so on. Let me uh, give you an example here. So uh, many years ago, I had a foundations class. It was, it was one of those full classes, and gosh, it was fun. We got to the point in the class when we were working on building our first treatments, our, our five-step affirmative prayers, and, and people were doing such an amazing job. There was one person, though, that I could see was struggling a little bit, and I, I asked her if she'd be willing to, to speak her uh, treatment, her, her prayer, out loud to, to see if maybe I could help her with it. Because do you know when you look at someone and it looks like clouds are crossing their eyes, right? It, it had that look. It had that feeling of, well, she's either not getting this or, or there's no level of, of belief here. So, so let's see. And her prayer was about a healing for herself. She had an ongoing medical uh, problem. And, and so she was looking at healing. And, and the first part of the prayer, quite lovely, she identified herself with the wholeness of the universe, recognized that spirit is always whole and perfect. She identified herself with that perfection. But then what I noticed in many of her statements, well, in fact, they were so ingrained in me that I think I did a good job of writing them down even years later. Here's what she said. She said, I know that my condition can improve every day. I know that my disease can go into remission. I release these intentions, hoping and praying for their manifestation. And that's what I realized what the clouds were, was that there wasn't a lot of faith that this treatment would actually work. Let me review these phrases again. I know that my condition can improve, not that it will improve. Do you see the difference there? I know it's super subtle, but the way she said it, it also might not. It can, but it might not. And also, she said it will improve every day. That sort of implies that God take, has to take some effort or time here. Now, now I, I realize, you know, maybe I'm on the high side of thinking a miracle can happen like that, but certainly in my prayer, that's probably what I would go for. If I could have a spontaneous instant healing, like, let's go for it. Her second statement was, I know that my disease can go into remission. I would just say, it sounds like she has faith in her disease, right? The word disease kind of pops out even stronger than the word remission, the way I read it. And then lastly, I release these intentions, hoping and praying for their manifestation. Well, just the word hope alone. I mean, it's better to have hope than not to have hope. Don't get me wrong. I mean, hope is a good place to start. But spiritual faith is knowing. Spiritual faith is absolutely knowing that what your intentions are will be made into fact through your faith. And so this law of faith that Ernest Holmes is talking about doesn't negate the fact that prayer always works, but do you want that prayer to work? Or would you like something more like, my condition is completely healed now? And if you could feel that level of faith around it, how much more powerful, how much more instantaneous it would be. I know that my disease is in remission. I don't think so. I'm whole and perfect 100% is how I would say it. And finally, I release these intentions hoping and praying. 
I release these intentions knowing it is God's good pleasure to make them true now. Let me give you one more example. You know, one of the the people famous, I would say, for um, creating miracles, for having their faith being nearly absolute, of course, is Jesus the master teacher. Let me start out first with a joke, though. A trooper notices a car moving erratically and pulls the driver over to see what's going on. As he approaches the car, he notices that the driver is a priest. And as he leans over to talk, he notices the strong smell of alcohol. Have you been drinking? The officer asks. Just water, said the priest, slurring his words a bit. I just had a bottle of water. Then why do I smell wine? The priest looks up and smiles. Good Lord, he's done it again. (laughs) And so let's talk about faith. Has it been a while... (laughs) Okay, all right, all right. So you like you like that one, all right. <laughs> all right. So has it been a while since you've read about Jesus performing that particular miracle? Let me read from um, John 2, 2. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. (laughs) Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. But his mother looked at him and said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. This sounds like my mom, right? It's like, you can take care of this. I know you're busy, but you can take care of this. So nearby stood six stone jars of water, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Each would hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. And then he told one, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wines first, and then the cheaper wines after the guests have had too much to drink. But not here. You have saved the best until now. So I have a question for you. Did Jesus just hope the water would turn into wine? Did Jesus have to maybe practice at home to get good at this, uh, this way of doing things? Did Jesus have doubts? In the account here, it doesn't even say that he looked to make sure that it had happened, right? It's just send some out to the master of the party. There was no doubt. There was no thought of error. There was no need to practice, no need to wave arms and do some ritual of some kind, right? Jesus, through the power of his faith, simply turned the water into wine in an instant. Now, I know some of you are going, well, you know, Larry, let's hope we're not taking the Bible overly literally here in a Science of Mind church. And uh, I'm not here to say whether that particular miracle happened in that way or whether it happened at all. But I would say in the rich history of 
all kinds of miracles, whether you look at the miracles performed by, uh, by the Buddha or, or some of his acolytes, whether you look at the many miracles as reported in the Bible, they all had one thing in common. It was that level of dedicated faith, that certain knowing that thy will be done, that that, that intention that you have Nothing will stand in its way. Nothing will complicate it. Nothing will somehow prevent you from achieving it. It's that level of spiritual authority. So when Ernest Holmes in How to Use the Science of Mind talks about this law of faith, that's what he's talking about. The degree to which you are firm in your faith, sure of your ability to command these spiritual laws, your results will be commensurate with that level of faith. Now, some of you are going, oh, well, that's all great and good and everything, but you do know I'm not Jesus, right? <laughs> and, and I would say, well, of course not. Of course not. We all start where we are. Our level of faith, we all start where we are, and that's fine and good. And most of us already know that these spiritual laws are active in our lives. We see evidence of it. And that's the way, in fact, that we build our faith. To build our faith, we have to test our own use of spiritual principles. I remember one of my very first classes in the Science of Mind, close to 20 years ago now, we played the parking space game. Have you heard of the parking space game in Science of Mind? So it's a real simple one. It's simply as you're driving or, or, or riding into a parking lot, hoping for a good parking spot, you stop hoping. It isn't about hoping. It's about knowing and visualizing that you have the perfect spot. In fact, my, my partner Daniel calls it princess parking. When, when, when we enter a parking lot, he says, well, Larry, are we going to have princess parking today? <laughs> and I say, well, of course we will, because I'm great at manifesting parking spot. It's the least I can do. Literally, it's the least I can do. You'd be surprised what I can do. So that might be a place even to start for you, to begin proving to you that when you have a firmness of faith, you can literally manifest things that are important to you. Even if it's something easy going like a parking space, right? No harm, no foul. If you don't get the spot right in front, nothing bad's going to happen. Maybe that's why that's a good place to start. You're feeling like if... If I don't somehow manage this, nothing too bad will happen. I don't know, but it's a place to start. And when you begin seeing the efforts of your use of spiritual principles made real in the world, that is how your faith grows. That is how you begin seeing and noticing that your life is full of the outcome of your thoughts and beliefs. And then you begin saying to yourself, wait a minute, so why am I causing this problem over here? And why am I causing this issue over here? All I have to do is set a different intention. All I have to do is apply my ability to get princess parking to my ability to find the perfect house. 
or my ability to have people phone me who wish me to get this better job or whatever it is. Pretty soon, by applying some of these simple experiences from your own life, you will grow bold. Or what I like to think of is spiritually confident. How nice it is just to be at a wedding knowing if they run out of wine, you can take care of it. <laughs> How nice to know when you're out of work, there's no problem because you will find the right and perfect job. It will be drawn to you effortlessly and magnetically. How nice to know that if you're looking for a certain way of being in the world, you can call it to you literally through the power of your word. And that was what, of course, Barbara talked about, Reverend Barbara talked about last week, using the power of our word, that law of attraction. And let me keep going with that idea. Let me talk a little bit more about using the law of attraction. I think it's something that we all, uh, you know, we've seen it in movies. We've, you know, heard it on Oprah. Why does it seem to work well for some people and not other people? It's all about alignment. Part of faith, getting back to music again, the reason that a song comes off so beautifully, like the one we just heard, is that all the pieces of it are in alignment. Everyone has the same meter that they're playing to. They're all playing at the same speed and in the same key and so on. It, it's the faith that they have in one another that they're, they're all going to stay in that same key, right? That's a good thing. <laughs> they're all going to stay following Don's drumbeat, right? To keep the same rhythm. It's that agreement, it's that faith in one another. And the law of attraction works the same way. Instead of a band, you have your thoughts, you have your emotions, and you have your actions. And when they are in alignment, when you have the faith of keeping it all together in alignment, you will be an amazing manifester. What I see what happens when people say, well, it doesn't seem to work for me, I'll ask, well, explain more, explain more. And they'll say, well, I've been, you know, working on abundance for a really long time, trying to use the law of attraction. And I'll say, well, what do you think about abundance? And they'll say, well, it's so hard to do. <laughs> they'll say, well, you know, it, it, it just comes and goes. It seems like the money just, you know, melts through my hands. This is not in alignment with the idea that the universe is infinite and that your good shall be part of your life, right? It isn't being wishful, hopeful that this will work. It's having your actions, your emotions, and your thoughts all in good alignment with a shall have the abundant life. And when you're in alignment, you will have the abundant life. It is that spiritual faith. So how do we build spiritual faith? Well, I've already given you the clues. We can practice with the parking lot, and you can guess what your homework might be, of course, this week. It doesn't have to be a perfect parking spot, but find something in your life 
that you would simply like to see improved upon and make it not be a life or death kind of situation either would be my recommendation for building faith because you don't want to you don't want that fear factor to be in there you want it to be something simple and easy going like finding parking places like having everything that you need on your grocery list at the store that was one of the things I did during the beginning of the pandemic. Remember when the stores, it was terrible being stocked and things like that? I put my faith to use on that. And for me, it was when I go to Wingo today, everything on my list will be there. And I was pretty successful at that. They had the disinfecting wipes I wanted. They, they had the toilet paper I needed. I know, some of you are jealous. You remember what that was like two years ago. I put this law of abundance to work. There is no reason that my life will not be blessed with the things I need on my shopping list. So start with something small parking spots, whatever it is that you would like to see improved in your life. And then notice the results. Uh, you know, there's also the parking lot joke. Let's see if I, if I can remember how that goes. So this gentleman has been playing around a little bit with the law of attraction, right? And has been treating for, for good parking spots. And, and so he goes into the parking spot one day, and it's particularly difficult. He's circled around. It's probably Saturday at Costco, right? Have any of you gone Saturday at Costco? It's like, oh, then you're in the auxiliary lot, and then you can barely even see the door anymore. Anyway, he's circling around and circling around, and suddenly a spot opens up right in front, right right next to where the bass carts are, and he parks. And he said, oh my gosh, after all that work, today I guess I'm just lucky. It's like he throws away, right? He sees it as luck instead of his treatment. And I would like to suggest that that happens for you a lot. You view yourself when something goes well as being lucky. I don't think there's really any such thing as lucky. I think it's confidence in you getting what you want. Nothing more than spiritual confidence of you getting what you want. So from now on, when things are going well, whatever it is, whether it's a, a parking spot that you find or a new job that has come your way, whether it's a relationship that's been repaired between you and a loved one, say, I did this through the use of the law of attraction, through the use of spiritual law, I created this opportunity. This is me using spiritual law. It wasn't luck. It was me. Well, let's close today with a summary. The law of faith says that the ease in which we can use a spiritual law is proportional to our belief. It's that spiritual authority. It's that certainty that certainly Jesus used in many of the miracles in the Bible. But gosh, if you read about some of the accounts of the Buddha and the Arhats that uh, were under him, all of those miracles achieved the same way. That single-minded, perfect faith that it shall be done as I choose. We also learned that we will effectively use spiritual laws when our beliefs, thoughts, and actions are in alignment. 
Some of you are probably aware of the idea of cognitive dissonance. When you say one thing, but you're kind of thinking another, you say how prosperous you are, but then thoughts of lack and limitation go through your mind. Cognitive dissonance is the real killer of spiritual faith. As best we can, we align our thoughts, our minds, our deeds, our actions. And when we do that, when we can do that, oh my gosh, that is the faith in which miracles are created. And then finally, we talked about building our faith just by practicing it. Just noticing that when you have an intention, when you focus on it, when your thoughts, ideas are in alignment with it, there it is. I did that. Spirit, through me, accomplished that. Well, I'm going to close with a a quote from the book here and a prayer. He says, nothing happens by chance in this universe. Everything is in accordance with spiritual law. Faith is a law and acts as such. And the law of faith is a law of belief, a belief so complete that the mind no longer will reject it. This belief must penetrate our inner consciousness The practitioner has a complete conviction that a higher use of the law of cause and effect will transcend a lower use of it. Even though we start with only an intellectual or logical conviction of this, a spiritual intuition within us will support this logic and give us a consciousness of its reality. This will lift our faith into a place of utter certainty. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness, just this one thing. And what I know about this thing, it is everything, every person, every place, every situation, all of it is God in action. That is the promise of all time that God is simply here, now and always. And based on this certainty, I know that I can have faith in this presence I know that God is always here for me, working through me. I know that as I look towards God and the the infinity of it, the love that it is, the peace that it is, the joy that it is, the abundance that it is, when I recognize this in God, I truly can claim it for myself in complete confidence. God is here to guide and to support And for this, I give great thanks. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. What a pleasure to have you here today. Now is our time of conscious contribution. I invite you to take your gift or your tithe, whatever it is you've brought to share with us today. If you'd like, you can place it over your heart. And just repeat after me. Graciously, I give. From a place of love. Knowing that as I give, so do I richly receive. So, you know, we do get comments from our online visitors, and I just wanted to to share one. Now, this is someone who's never been to the center at all, but is a a faithful listener to our podcast. Here's what she said. Dear Reverend Larry, the major difference between the teachings of the Center for Spiritual Living and other religious organizations that I've been affiliated with is having to be concerned with being a sinner 
because of what happened with Adam and Eve and trying to make myself right with God in ways that seemed unattainable. Your church or center deals with the present time, not with the past or the future, and it makes me feel that I am good enough for God. I don't have to do anything that seems impossible to prove it. I recently completed the Science of Mind Basics course. Now that was a course I developed specifically just for the online folks. So she recently completed the Science of Mind Basic course and the how to use it chapter had a profound effect on my life. I don't exactly know how to explain it. I feel differently and as a result I treat other people differently as well. I'm so thankful for understanding the divine creative process. This has enabled me to avoid difficult situations and find other alternatives. Much love, Anita, one of your online listeners. So, go Anita! We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.